when it comes to physical health, emotional health, mental health, and spiritual health, for me, working with physical health first did open up the other areas for me in time. Like I didn't try to take on all four at once, but I started very slowly with physical health. And I mean slowly, it took me months to sort of make a little bit of progress. But once I did, it really, I could feel that go. And and then it just, because I took that so slowly day to day, I've just never had a, a time period since uh, I guess late 2011, early 2012, somewhere in there where I haven't felt that my physical health was like in jeopardy of, of being lost. You know, I just feel like I've slowly kind of managed it and maintained it well um, for almost six years now. Hello, Kelly Howard here. And I have to say, I have been so fortunate to connect with some amazing people in my life. And this week's guest is right up at the tip top. He's an Olympic gold medalist, a high-level performance coach. He's the muse behind Sunday Morning Joe. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Joe Jacoby is a ninja at looking at the big picture and then bringing everything down to simple steps that change lives. His health started to suffer when he was the CEO of U.S. Canoe and Kayak, and he found himself putting everyone else's needs first, way before his own. When I met Joe, I had some really big goals, but what was missing were like the simple steps, the really small things that bind everything together. Joe helped me create incremental actions, and I repeat them every day. So listen in, you're going to love him, and you're in for a treat. About a year and a half ago, I was in Colorado, and I had the chance to catch up with Joe Jacoby via phone. I'm walking alongside a river, and I'm chatting with Joe, And I've always known about him, but I'd never met him before. And I just literally sat down on the grass beside this river, watched all this. It was, I don't know what it's called. Maybe it's called cottonwood, but it was basically snowing flowers in Colorado. And I connected with Joe Jacoby and he was amazing. And I'd like to introduce him to you today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Kelly. It's so good to be talking to you again. I remember that day. If I'm not mistaken, I think you were in Durango. I was. I was. Yeah, it was. Uh, and of course, since we're both whitewater kayakers, we um, and that's quite the kayaking hub, we uh, had that happening as we were talking as well. I remember, gosh, now that I think about it, maybe my daughter was even in Durango at the same time that you were. She was. She was. I was looking for her, but I never did catch up with her. I ended up being in a conference the whole time. That was a good place to connect, and we're connecting from two good places today as well. Yeah. So Joe is in Spain now, and he and his family have been living there for a little over a year. So before we dive into all of the awesomeness that you have to share with everybody today, tell us a little bit about Spain. So we actually live in the Spanish state of Catalonia, which is the northeastern part of the country. I became familiar with Catalonia in 1991, a year before the 1992 Olympic Games, which were held in Barcelona. Uh, The whitewater canoeing competition was held in a small town in the very northern part of Catalonia called Baseo d'Urgell which is if you look at a map where the Principality of Andorra is just near the Spanish and French border, um, La Seo is about five miles south of the Principality of Andorra. And we're a town of 12,000 people. And 
You can walk from one side of the town to the other in about 20 minutes. And right in the middle of the town is the 1992 Olympic whitewater canoeing venue, which is surrounded by the snow-capped Pyrenees Mountains. And it is still one of the premier canoeing venues in the world today and and is the national training center for the uh, Spanish and Catalan canoeing programs. What What an amazing place to get to live. I literally fell in love with the place when I was uh, 21 years old, the first time I came here. Uh, I just had a good feeling about the people, the spirit, the culture when I came here. And I just had this moment where I knew that to do our best in the 1992 Olympic Games a year later, the idea for me was to wake up on the day of the Olympic Games and not just feel like an American visiting the Olympic Games and waking up as a visitor in the Olympic Village. I wanted to wake up like I belonged here. And that just changed my mindset from that moment forward, the way I interacted with people, the way I just wanted to take in the culture. And so it wasn't just about what we were doing for practice when we were training on the Olympic River, but it just changed the way we built relationships with people and the way we learned and respected the culture and relationships and a way of life. And I think that made a big difference for us on the day of the 1992 Olympic race. I would tend to guess that that was the start of your idea of starting with small steps moving forward every day. Is that true? Paddling whitewater rivers kind of forces you to do that. The white... I always tell people that, well, first of all, I should, I should say that I have never found a better metaphor for living life than relating that to the way we navigate whitewater river rapids. I think life is very much like the river. I think it's constantly in motion. And I think when we're on the river, we have choices and you know, we can either just sort of tuck and let the water kind of push us around at its will, or we can learn to navigate it and learn to understand what the river currents are, are doing, not just of the river, but the river currents of life and business as well. It's kind of the practice of our life. And I think to relate that to small steps every day, when you're on a river, All you can do is affect the piece of water that you're on in that current moment. It doesn't do you any good to think what's a half mile ahead or what's a half mile behind you. The more attention and awareness and just skill and technique and uh, mindset that you can bring to the moment you're in, the better you're going to navigate that moment, which advances you to the next moment. That's just all a really small steps forward every day kind of process. So basically, and I I can cheat a little bit because you and I work (laughs) together, but what you really, you have like the end goal, or I don't even think you call it a goal, but you know, a picture, a picture of things that you would like to have happen, enjoy happening in life, um, shooting for, but then you like to break it down into really, really, really simple steps because it's those little teeny weeny steps that you take each day that actually navigate life. 
we can think about all the big picture and, and I am, oh man, I am the worst about that. Like, you know, I'm always big picture thinking. And so it, it's hard for me at times to remember to bring it back down. But what you like to do is you like to bring it back down. If you could like break that down a little bit. If someone was going to say to you, Joe, how would I use your small steps daily or any of your programs to advance my, let's say our health, to advance my fitness? How would you do that? I think there's two parts to it. Yes, there's the part about breaking what you want, what you need, what you feel into smaller actionable steps. But I think there's also one other part of it. And I think it's letting go of those points because let's use two examples of health. Let's say that you, one is that you want to lose 15 pounds. And let's say another one is you want to run a marathon in less than four hours. It doesn't do us any good once we identify that to be thinking about, am I at four hour marathon pace yet? Am I at four hour marathon pace yet? Am I losing weight yet? I think all that does, it's taking real actionable energy away from the action of small steps because you know that that's out there. I think once you figure out how to let the bigger picture go a little bit and just trust that when you let it go, you've already planted something inside of you that just subconsciously knows what you're doing, what's important and where you're going. And I think the more awareness and the more that you can kind of channel those soft skills into those small steps every day, that's where you see the most progress, where you're have more of yourself, more of what you have now to put into what you can do now. And that's what move advances the ball forward, so to speak, or moves the needle, so to speak, is having more of your capacity operating in the here and now. And it's hard because we have so many people and mechanisms that are kind of disrupting our lives, tell, asking us, terrible questions like, are you getting what you want quickly enough? Are you thinking big enough? This isn't just one or two times. This is just happening from anywhere all the time, everywhere all the time. I think at one point, I think one of my own best jumps wasn't just figuring out what I want more of, but it was also figuring out what I want less of in my life. And I wanted less of that. I mean, figuring out how to get that kind of messaging more away from me was not easy. But I mean, that was something that I very consciously worked on was just trying to stop reading blogs or listening to podcasts of people that were always saying, you're not thinking big enough or are you getting what you want fast enough? And, and Right. You're not working hard enough. You're not hustling enough. You need to hustle, hustle, hustle. That was never a very helpful one for me. No, I totally understand. And, and in a way, it's trusting yourself, isn't it? It's trusting that you, if you want something, then you can trust yourself enough to know that you're working or moving that way, navigating that way, and that you don't have to like constantly be throwing it in your face going, am I doing it? Am I doing it? Am I doing it? I will give you a great example of what you just said. So as we talk, I am sitting in La Seo d'Urgell, I am no more than 150 meters from the 92 Olympic whitewater canoe solemn course. 
It also happens to be the same whitewater venue where we are going to host the canoe whitewater canoe slalom world championships next September. And that'll be the Olympic games qualifier for all the countries to earn their start positions to the Olympic games in Tokyo. It, it is except for the Olympic games. It's the biggest canoe race of the Olympic quadrennial of the four years that make up the Olympic quadrennial. We're going to have over 400 athletes from more than 40 different nations uh, represented at that race, probably closer to 50 nations. There is not one athlete who wouldn't want to be world champion, who wouldn't want to win a medal at those world championships. Like it's a big deal to win a, a medal at these world championships, but it just doesn't serve the very best athletes in the world any good at all to put any thought into what color medal they're, they're going to win. All that's doing is taking attention away from the day-to-day -day work that they are able to do, the day-to-day -day energy that they could put into not only getting faster, getting stronger, getting better, but even energy that they're taking away from maybe not recovering as well, not resting as well, not sleeping as well. I think trying to figure out how to move some of the angst <laughs> and some of that pressure away from us, it, it's hard. But I mean, this is what we learn being around the very best athletes in the world. I mean, there's just so much respect for that day-to-day -day work and the trust that our best performances will come out at the right time. Nobody needs to repeat to themselves that they want to be world champion it's inside of them. It is so embedded inside of them. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to get to do it, but no one has to spend any extra time thinking about the idea of being world champion. Going back to like your idea of someone wanting to lose, let's say lose 15 pounds instead of getting on the scale every day, because <laughs> it's like one of my, one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Um, so instead of like daily getting on the scale and sweating it and saying, oh my gosh, you know, did I lose any weight since yesterday? Have I gained any weight since yesterday? You know, because scales are baloney anyway. But instead of doing that, they would have their series of small steps, whatever they are that they've created, be it, um, I don't know, let's say cutting out carbohydrates from your diet or going to the gym or whatever the steps are. So you have your simple steps, your daily, daily simple steps that are really habits more than anything that you've created. And you just go from there. You continue to do what you do, trusting that maybe you're not going to lose 15 pounds in you know 15 days, because quite frankly, you can't, or I, I guess someone can, but it wouldn't be realistic. But trusting that if you're doing the steps that you need to be doing that are in alignment with you, then you're going to get to where you need to be. Is that a a simple way of something that you would suggest? It is. And one of the things that I, even smaller and even more indirect from the 15 pound example, Kelly, is that I try to look at what are the habits that we can build away from, say, eating that if the habit is learned well, we could apply the same way that habit is learned to doing something else to then apply that back to eating better when it's time. Once you know we get a little bit of foundation under us, 
you know, one of the things that I always look at in performing better in just about anything, whether it's physical health, creativity, relationships, uh, practicing gratitude, one of the first things that I do is I look at sleep. It's one of the things that we, the very first things we look at in the Start Line E course, which is a habit building course that I uh, designed a couple and created a couple of years ago. If we can just work with something like sleep, or I ask the question, do you think we can sleep a little bit better? And we know, by the way, that scientifically sleep has proven to be something to sort of help increase metabolism if your body is better rested and you can achieve deeper levels of sleep. That is like something that we can work on even before you get into what you're going to eat, at what times you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat. And I think that it just gets a momentum building a habit that's much easier to work with than even the food itself. because The food tends to be very willpower-ish, where sleeping just says, okay, can we just work on creating a routine that looks at how you're putting yourself down when you go to sleep and some of the things you're doing when you first wake up? And you do that for a few weeks, then I think you're really laying the foundation to make better choices and have better success implementing the same formula for those habits when it comes time to, for example, maybe doing a little bit of exercise or a little bit of movement or changing a few eating habits or one eating habit at a time. And and then I think if you're patient and willing to take that long game approach, you're going to have much more success over time. It is true because long game comes back a lot to what we were talking about earlier. It does not fit into the, you know, what did you do today to eat five elephants? It is a long game and it's really hard. I think, especially in our society, I think it's a, it's a hard thing to do is take that long game. But when you look back and you see that maybe over the last, be it six months or six years or 16 years, you've been creating the same um, cycles again and again you've really been playing a long game in reverse and it's hard. I mean, it's like a friend of mine says all the time, you have to slow down to speed up. It's actually slowing down, figuring out the super basics and sleep. I mean, we talk, we talk about sleep a lot on this podcast. It's funny, but I mean, sleep's one of my favorite things. It's like a superpower. And once you've got, you know, that superpower under your belt, then you layer on your next step. And then your next step. Is that how you would say it? That's 100% the way I would say it. And I, boy, I just think sleep is such, I know that's one part of the equation, but I think it is such a great place to start. I very rarely meet someone if I ask them the question is that, do you think you could sleep better? It's usually the answer is a more positive, a more affirmative answer than, do you think you could eat less food or do you think you could eat healthier or, you know, there's just all these other complications that come up with food first. It just turns it into a willpower battle. Usually people just love the idea somehow of sleeping more, sleeping more restfully or sleeping more peacefully or sleeping more deeply. It just seems to appeal like the sense of affirmation and I can do this just seems to be so much stronger with sleep. And if you can get a little bit of success, a little bit of momentum under your belt there, they can absolutely be applied to 
other elements of your health. I will say that in, in my case, look, I, we haven't really talked a lot about kind of where, where I kind of came from I, in my own personal health journey, Kelly, because I think a lot of people here are Olympic gold medalists and there's just this presumption of, oh, well, you've always been like that or you've always, you've always been in great shape. And it's like, I wasn't. I mean, my story was I was in a CEO job in the Olympic movement and I was super unhealthy. I had gained 30 pounds already. I wasn't in great shape when I started that job and I put on 30 pounds pretty quickly when I did it. I was irritable. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't the best version of myself. I went, I took this job in the Olympic movement thinking I could take some of my experiences and knowledge from having been successful in the Olympic games and apply it to other athletes doing well. And I just struggled so much to make that work. And I was just so busy trying to take care of everyone else. I just never took care of myself. I went through all the same things that people go through. It's like, I can't believe I've put on all this weight. And I'm just thinking about losing big chunks of weight. And of course, that never works. It usually makes it worse, actually. And it wasn't until I just started doing something very slow and very patient. But I will say, and it's not the same for everyone, when it comes to physical health, emotional health, mental health, and spiritual health, for me, working with physical health first did open up the other areas for me in time. Like I didn't try to take on all four at once, but I started very slowly with physical health. And I mean slowly. It took me months to sort of make a little bit of progress. But once I did, it really, I could feel that go. And, and then it just, because I took that so slowly day to day, I've just never had a, a time period since, uh, I guess, late 2011, early 2012, somewhere in there where I haven't felt that my physical health was like in jeopardy of, of being lost. You know, I just feel like I've slowly kind of managed it and maintained it well for almost six years now. What else would you, in in the spirit of starting easily or simply or small or taking the long game approach, what else would you suggest to people? Now, let me interrupt myself for a second and say, you have a program, the five steps, but don't you have, do you have a physical fitness program too? Not directly. I mean, I can do it. I mean, I think the part where I am today is that I'm doing a lot of organizational work more than personal coaching work. But we are getting, you know, we're looking at all of it. And when I'm on coaching calls and I'm just kind of listening to where people are and what kind of time they have, yes, I'm, I'm good at making recommendations for that. And interestingly, and I have started to coach elite athletes again here in Laseo. I've had a couple of athletes that approach me. So I'm doing a little canoe coaching for the first time in a long time. So I'm capable of doing that, but I don't really have a program that focuses just on physical health. I'm, I just call it trying to improve performance at just about anything, whether that's physical health or whether that's um, leadership skills, whether that's relationships, whether that's culture, doing a lot more organizational work uh, these days and uh, work with leadership teams. But ultimately we get into, when I'm finished with those programs, we have one-to-one -one coaching calls where we're talking about the real, you know, where the rubber meets the road for real people. Like what's happening in your life? How can we help? What kind of workout program do you need to 
make this work for you. So I can do that kind of stuff, but I don't really have like a formal program that says, do this, do that. So Joe, you have the start line program, which I went through with you. And one of the things you talk about is, and a lot of the people you deal with are executives who want to get improve their workday, but you don't start with the workday. What do you start with? <laughs> well, I don't want to insult anyone who's working by saying that your workday is from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but just for the sake of just context, you know, from morning to evening, you know, at late afternoon when people typically work, I think a lot of consultants come in and they say, oh, if you just manage your phone calls better or manage your emails better or manage your meetings better, you'll have more time and then you can do more with your time. <laughs> and I just think it's such a backwards way to go about this. I'm the kind of person that says, okay, you want to be better from between morning and evening. Let's take a look at what's happening in your life between the time you leave work and the time you come back the next morning. Because I think a lot of the biggest issues that people have the biggest mistakes that are, are made, and I believe this about elite sport, and I believe this about business and life as well, we make our biggest mistakes when we're tired and when we're run down. And so I think that tends to happen near the end of the day. That tends to happen when we're just tired, we're hungry, we're irritable, because we haven't taken care of ourselves very well through the day. And now we're at a point where we put ourselves in front of bad television, we put ourselves in front of bad food, we put ourselves in front of kind of cues and, and feedback loops that just create a lot of tension for us, which makes it harder to make good choices about how we respond to those tense moments. And so I think that's where the biggest mistakes are made. And I think that's a great way to sort of dive in into that area and say, how can we start to make small steps forward in that part of your life, for example, to improve the likelihood that when it's time to go to sleep, you're going to fall asleep better, you're going to sleep more deeply, and you're going to wake up a little bit more refreshed. Now we've got something to play with. It kind of gives us a little something to kind of take into the next day. It is so true because we do get tired. And whether you're trying to improve your work life or your personal life or your wellness in general, you have to be looking at all 24 hours of the day instead of just that little bit of period when you're concentrating on whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Even in a lot of my conversations now that we're having with organizational teams, whether it's General Electric or whether it's Ernst & Young, we can't just say we're going to ask our leaders and ask our people to come in and perform great from morning to evening without taking an interest in at least opening up a conversation with what's happening when they're not with us at the workplace. It's just too unrealistic. Like how can we just say they're going to take some really complicated, hard, fatiguing stuff that's happening maybe at home and they're just going to put that all aside for just kind of the good of their job. I know a lot of people are doing this, but this is not a good, effective way to go forward to really build high-performing, engaging people and high-performing, engaging teams in the workplace. And, and so I'm just willing to ask those questions. And if someone wants to let me know that this isn't that kind of organization or I'm not that kind of person or that, that's okay. And I might not be the right person for that one, Kelly, but 
I'm willing to at least ask the questions because I know in my own professional existence how god-awful my nighttime routine was when I was the chief executive officer of USA Canoe Kayak. I made more poor choices in my health than anyone you knew. And it was really hard to kind of crack that code and change, but that's what I found for me that it took to kind of make a change. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much. I mean, I, I think this is a, that was a perfect wrap up. Thank you so much for joining Joe and I today. You can learn more about him and his programs and his musings at joejacoby.com. Plus, of course, we'll link to everything in our show notes. Also, he'll be coming back soon when his new book is published, and I just can't wait for that. Next week, we have our final guest in the series. If you've ever wanted to change your habits or your actions, you don't want to miss my interview with Jim Fortin. And if you're thinking about a podcast or already doing one and don't have angels like Riley and his team over at podigy.co, then you're missing out. You can grab a gift from podigy.co and me over at Angel Tiger Fit. And see you next week when we chat with Jim Fortin. Bye-bye.